Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Hey, welcome everyone. Today is October 5th, and this is live with Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Yes, it is. I uh, hope everybody is doing okay. Had a great weekend. Summer's gone. Uh, um, but fall is a good season too, right? Fall is a great season, actually, except that, you know, it goes from 40 to 80 to 90 to yeah, you know, I mean, whatever. People sitting out by the pool today. Now we're, become, now we're becoming like those people that only talk about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> so we are broadcasting live from our secure bunker here in Cincinnati. The mission of Corporate Talk is to leave no stone unturned to use all of our collaborative powers to make a difference, even as one person. And not just in the workplace. Go out there and just make a difference, darn it. Right. Um, uh, very soon I'm going to be uh, blogging about what I call the ambivalence epidemic. And I think that's part of it. Um, we need to step forward a little bit, right? It's not... Um, up to the other person. It's up to all of us as individuals to make a difference. Well, and I think people are ambivalent, but I also think that they're, like, freaking out a little bit. So I think there's, like, a combination of anxiety and ambivalence. So maybe there's a freaking out epidemic. There's a freaking out epidemic that causes the ambivalence because you just get numb. Right. Um, Just a heads up today. We have, as I've been calling it, a special edition show. We're going to go... Out of the box, and we're going to talk about something that's really cool. We have a really good guests coming on in a few minutes. Um, okay, so for us, big week. Um, tomorrow we are speaking at the uh, Secure World 2015 Expo, and our topic is a shared leadership approach to IT security. It's going to be cool. It's going to be different. IT security is everyone's responsibility. Right. So, so don't just put your goodies up in the cloud and think that they're safe, right? Right. <laughs> we're going to try and shift the corporate workplace into a shared leadership model, which I think will be really cool. I think it would be really cool, and I think that um, the audience is going to be surprised and astounded and um, and happy. That yeah. Not. I may have to, you know, hold my own a little bit, but... Um, this is what we need to do. It's very important. Um, the other thing is, right from there, we go on a road trip to NYC, where we are speaking for, what, the fourth year, third year, I forget. At the going into the fourth year. National Publicity Summit, which is a fantastic event. and um, That's where we meet all our speakers and authors and entrepreneurs. It's an amazing, amazing event and amazing time that yes. we have in New York. And we're also very um, grateful that we are invited down, right? So that's good as media. Yes. We're also today, this is our first show in our fourth year. Oh, that's right. That's um, good. And uh, we're really grateful. We are grateful to the Talk Zone family um, and also our wonderful producer, Dave Olson. 
Okay, so enough of that. We're here. We're teammates. We're making a difference. So where do we go today, right? Um, we have a really cool guest who has a mission. Like we said, our mission is to make a difference. This mission is a little bit um, deeper, a little bit higher up, I guess. <laughs> That's um, a good way to say it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about what we have labeled uh, during the week as looking for God. And um, I have a million questions. I think it's a phenomenal topic, especially even when you watch the news today. Well, t- say a little bit more about that, about why we're looking for God. It's a movie. P.S. It's a movie. <laughs> and imagine how complicated that mission now becomes. Right. right. Um, okay. So let's go forward and let's get into this. Um, I would love to introduce our very, very special guest today, co-author Mission Eri for this Looking for God mission, uh, Dr. Vincent J. Maligno. Are you there? Hi, Charlie and Ava. Hey. How are you? Hi. Welcome to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Um, we're Hi. excited to have you. Uh, we know you're excited about what you're doing. So, um, and I just want to mention first, um, lookingforgodthemovie.org. Did I get that correct? Yes, you did. Okay, lookingforgodthemovie.org, everyone. There's a lot of information there. There's a trailer that's really cool. So, um, excellent. So, Dr. Maligno, um, tell us, I guess, first, where this idea came from, and what is the plan? We got a few hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got uh, one. We got by one. The way, <laughs> by the way, I feel very honored that this is your first show in your fourth season, and yes. um, and I'm your first guest. So yeah, thank you. Cool. And um, we are, you know, as the day approached, and we ha- had you on the schedule. I was getting inspired too, right? This is a little off topic from corporate talk specific, and so we're really interested. Now, this project, Looking for God, the org, is how old in its uh, journey so far? Okay. Um, if I can, let me go back a little bit. Uh, okay. My partner, Louis Borelli, my partner, Louis Borelli, and I have been together almost 20 years now. We've been friends, and uh, we both have religious backgrounds. I'm a former Zaverian brother, and uh, I'm working on a cause right now for Servant of God, Father Vincent Capadano, Vincent R. Capadano. So I've been involved in different uh, religious programs. And Lewis approached me. He knew I was principal of a, of a high school and that I was involved in education. And he told me he had a concept. And his original concept was John of Divinity. And... Um, Based on that, again, a religious theme, John of Divinity, we produced a screenplay, a a movie script for John of Divinity. And it was very involved, literally took place all over the world, and we actually presented it to Hollywood people, and they told us that it was a very expensive proposition. Also, it was very religious, and that may or may not turn people off. So they suggested that we take the movie script and put it into a book, make a book out of it, and use the book for publicity. You talk about corporate talk. I mean, we're talking about raising monies. We're talking about getting support. We're talking about getting publicity and 
getting our word out. So I took John of Divinity, the movie script, and made it into a novel. So we have now John of Divinity, the novel. And that was published, and it's out there. You can get it from Amazon.com. Well, again, we approached Hollywood, and they said, this is a very expensive proposition. You're new to the system. You've never made a movie before. We can't take the risk on you. Why don't you go back, come up with a different script, something less expensive, something less involved, and let's run with that. And if it works, then you can come back and push John the Divinity because then you'll have a name for yourself and you've, you've developed something. So again, Lewis and I sat down and Lewis had this idea in mind, something almost autobiographical, of a young man, a young man from Brooklyn. We both uh, were raised in Brooklyn. A young man with special needs. That's a big thing nowadays. You know, uh, students, children with special needs, children that uh, are handicapped in some form or another. So he had the concept of a, of a young man with special needs, a kid from Brooklyn, who would overcome life's obstacles and lead his Italian this community, a dysfunctional community, back to faith and uh, how he goes through this. So wow. uh, it's very it's it's very pinpointed. It, it literally takes place in Shusa Bay, Brooklyn, because that's... Uh, uh, the area that uh, Lewis grew up in, and it involves Italian Americans because that's what we both are, and uh, it involves the the local community, something that we've experienced as we grew up. So we came up with the movie script, and again we ran it up the flagpole for different peoples, and uh, we've been working it through. What Looking for God, the movie.org is now, it's what we call a mood reel. It's eight minutes of film that we put together ourselves to show people what we're capable of, to give people a feel for what the movie's all about. And to add to that, we actually have a theme song called Looking for God. And Ebon Brown, the lead singer of the Stylistics, in our mood reel, he plays the minister, and as part of this ministry, he sings the song, the theme song, with his congregation. And then while that's going on, our star of the story looking for God is Daniel, a special needs uh, young man, and Daniel is seen in church communicating with God. So, again, it's trying to give a flavor um, as to what we're capable of and what we'd like to do. So, again, talking with corporate, you know, we want to produce a movie, but in order to do that, it costs monies. And to get monies, we need support, we need funding, we need uh, sponsorship, we need backing, we need contacts. So it, it's it's very involved with corporate. And, right, um, and... and so um, Looking for God's been the, around, the, we've literally started it. Uh, John of Divinity was published in 2009 as, the, as a novel, and then they told us to flip around. So 2010, we started with the Looking for God, and, and we presented it to many different peoples, and everyone has their critiques, and everyone had their recommendations, so we've been fine-tuning it. Now we finally sat down uh, just this year and put together uh, a movie, a, a mood reel, just to get the ball rolling. And that's where we're at right now. Um, that's unbelievable. And you know what? I did not realize what this project was in full, and it is really huge. But I want to mention something 
um, about corporate. And what we realized here, Eva and I, is that everything is connected. Mm-hmm. And we have things on the show all the time outside the workplace because everything is connected. Well, why is Mr. Jones late today while he's having issues with blah, blah, right? So this is really important to corporate. Um, if this is telling a story about faith and bringing people back to faith, I think. And um, so I don't really draw those lines. Um, we may, in pa- on paper, say it's different in corporate. Mm-hmm. But when their head hits the pillow, we're all connected. So I agree 100% that we need to spread this word um, because when you look at the trailer, it's kind of uplifting, and I like that, and um, that's what we need today, right? I mean, it's really cool. That's it. We're trying to give people, you know, nowadays you look at some of the trash that, that's on in, in the movie studios. It, it's, it's sickening. And uh, in this day and age when there's so much murder going on and, and so much corruption and, and, you know, all the evil, this is a feel-good movie. Uh, we, we like to call it Cousin Vinny meets Heaven Can Wait. Um, it's, it's again, it's a feel good, down home, uplifting movie. And it's got a religious base, but it's not overwhelming. It's, it's again, it's a neighborhood story. It's lighthearted spirituality. It keeps, uh, um, it's Christianity. I mean, I'm Catholic and, and we, we are involved with the Catholic Church in this. Daniel is Catholic and he's involved with, uh, his local priest and everything. But we, we feel it's more a Christian, uh, theme. And, and that's pretty big. I had the uh, opportunity uh, two weeks ago to see the Pope. Of course, uh, the whole East Coast had the opportunity to uh, see the Pope. And you could see the response to that and how uplifting that was. And that actually caused me to do two things. One is to try to reach out to the Pope so I can get my uh, servant of God, Father Vincent Capadano, canonized. But that's easier said than done. And the other is to see the enthusiasm that people have and to say, hey, maybe we can capitalize on this. And again, talking corporate, seeing that people have a, a desire for religion and and how they responded so positively to the Pope, saying, hey, we've got a feel-good movie, we've got a religious-based movie, and we want it to work, and we need your help to get it to work. Jeez, um, that's really... And like I said, right, the timing couldn't be better. We have the Pope visiting, right? right? It I was a perfect that, segue yeah. for this. And, you know, even some of the political stuff, not to, you know, um, go too far off topic, but I agree 100% if this is uplifting. I mean, I have some questions later on after we come back and we want to just keep going. But so, Dr. Maligno, great... Um, opening. You gave us a ton of information. We're real excited. We're going to take a two-minute break. Stay right where you are. We'll be right back. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning shared leadership training seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization, regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company, but not at the expense of others. 
Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. It's segment two, and our guest today is Dr. Vincent Maligno. He's the co-author of John of Divinity and also the co-producer of um, Looking for God. And you can learn more about Looking for God at LookingForGodTheMovie.org. And so, um, Dr. Maligno, at the break, we were talking a little bit, and we were just saying that so many people are looking for something, you know, and so they're looking for an answer. So this movie just seems like it's so important to get out there to help people to get some hope. So when you, I know you were talking a little bit about, you know, you wrote the book first, but how did that all come about? I mean, going from having faith to then deciding to write a book, then deciding to to create a screenplay, I mean, that's a huge undertaking. Um you know what was Definitely. the motivation behind that to get to get so deep into all of this? Well, again, um, my partner Lewis, you know, had the concept and he had the idea, and um, we formulated it together. We, you know, we worked as a team, and his whole idea was to get a movie out. His vision was to make John mm-hmm. a Divinity a movie, and as I mentioned earlier, John a Divinity is is an overwhelming story about a young man who. Uh, works to better the world, literally better the world. And uh, it takes place in many different countries, and there's a lot of activity. So when we presented it to the Washington powers-to-be, or the Washington, but the Hollywood powers-to-be, they told us that it was a very expensive proposition, that it would cost a lot of money to produce, you know, due to the location changes and then due to the uh, amount of activity, that if we put it into a novel, and the novel sold, and the novel gained interest and attracted people, that we then could use that impetus towards the movie. So mm-hmm. we, we, I sat down, basically, and took the movie script and converted it into uh, a novel form. And um, it's a nice read. It's a comfortable read. It's, a, in some ways, a quick read. Um, and it's an interesting story. There's, there's a lot involved, and it. It, it does a lot of soul searching, which I think people are, are involved with now in their, in their own selves. You know, where am I heading? What, what am I doing? What am I accomplishing? Uh, where am I? What am I doing in life? And and uh, what are my goals? And what are right? Everybody seems to have their own personal agenda, right? Right, sure. and they're always looking for a solution. Yeah, right. When the solution has been with us. For many, many years, we have the solution, right? We have to look towards a higher power. And so when you, when you were creating the movie, what's, what's the big message behind the movie? Um, looking for God, it's, um, there's a lot of, uh, focus. It's a young man. It's an unusual young man, special needs person who talks right. to God. And God speaks back to him. So 
this is a young man who suffers a trauma. His, his, uh, he actually witnesses, you see this in our uh, mood reel, he witnesses the death of his father in a, in a um, swimming accident. His father tries to save another young man, and they, they both uh, drown. And because of, of his sensitivity and because of his needs, he's, he's too innocent to be unhappy or to be cynical. In, in his mind, everybody's perfect. And um, that, in some ways, draws people to him. So he's a simplistic young man who has a, a special draw, and his draw, of course, is God. And it's funny how he's surrounded by other people. His mother, you know, the, a widow who's conflicted, and uh, people who want, who want to succeed, people who are looking for financial gain, and uh, women who are literally selling their bodies um, because they're looking for love in the wrong places, and uh, people who are involved in, in crime and, and, uh, and, you know, just going the wrong way. And so, he's, he's caught up in this. And uh, um, in his own little way, he wants to see this change. Um, so it's kind of interesting. And then, again, it's something that we face in our, our daily lives. You know, right. there's, there's, evil, there's evil out there. There's, you know, again, there's heaven and hell. There's the devil and the angel. There's uh, the, uh, the good and the bad. And that's in everyone's life. And uh, some more than others, but uh, um, this is what we're involved with. And growing up in Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn's an interesting place, to say the least. But I'm yep. sure it's true of many, many places. Well, and that's true, and, and what I like about the theme of the movie and of the book is that it's a young child that has a simple vision. He talks to God, and he can change the lives of the people around him just by a very simple message. And not only that, what these guys did was really slick, right? Because what you were describing was many little stories within the story right. of people really in need of the same thing, right? And maybe, um, like, let's take workplace. This guy's going through something, and that guy's going through So I am, you know, health and so on. Everybody is in it. Well, and everybody, I think, feels so disconnected now, right? Everyone feels very disconnected. They're always searching for something, for some answer to find a deeper meaning. So I look at and, it. Well, and I'm just going to say that in that movie, from what it sounds, is that you have this young child that has special needs that can very simply show you that there is an answer. Yes. It's not like, complicated. It's like a rocky theme around faith right. and hope. Right. It's unbelievable. Right. 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 Um, you know, this is what we do, um, Dr. Maligno, right? Eva does a lot of coaching and we do training and we try to provide hope in our own way. And this is another way for everyone to feel better. Right. And everybody has God in common. Right. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has God in common. It's just it's just a matter of tapping yeah. into that. And what you did was interesting in that picking different types of scenarios in the other people in the in the story, which I think was really cool because I could be reading it and say, "That's me. Mm -hmm. That crazy guy that he just wrote about. Uh, it's me." You know. <laughs> so uh, that and you too can find redemption. And right, I think I think that's the real hidden value here of what you have done, which I think is phenomenal. You know. So good job. Hmm. Well, thank you, thank you. Um, 
it's interesting. And then, you know, we take, um, I guess, poetic license or we take uh, liberties. We have Daniel suffer a, uh, a death experience. But, but it, it's interesting how we weave it. Daniel, as Daniel's in church, a reputation starts. You know, people realize that he has a special relationship with God. And some people make fun of it. And, so, you know, sometimes we can't handle that. But some people make fun of it. And then all of a sudden, a gentleman shows up at the church, and he seems to know Daniel. And Daniel doesn't know anything about him. And they help each other. And when he goes to heaven, we have, we have the uh, heaven scene. When Daniel goes to heaven, he sees this old man that he met in church, and it turns out that the old man is really his father, and his father was watching over him and protecting him on earth. Now he brought him up with him to heaven so he can meet God face to face because God sees him as so special. And while he's with God, God explains to him that he wants him to go back to earth, go back to his neighborhood, and become God's envoy. And he wants him to fix, to help the neighborhood become a better community and, and help the people in the neighborhood become better people. So it's quite a deal. And um, Daniel's in, inspiring homecoming seems to be the answer to everyone's prayer. Um, and again, being a feel-good movie, um, the strip club becomes a restaurant. The hookers... Um, become married and establish their own business. They become uh, hairdressers. Uh, the shopkeepers um, seem to settle their lives and their lives that were drudgery. And literally, we end the movie as everyone walks back to church and enters the church as a group. It's like a harmony. And uh, so here's an innocent young, young man leading people back to God and while doing that, bringing out what's best in them and their spiritual selves. So Daniel sets his feet gently back on the spiritual path, one that's always been intended for all of us. And again, like I said, I think that's a feel-good movie. Regardless of who you are and where you are, it's absolutely a feel-good movie and uplifting, spiritual um, fulfilling. Right, because it gives hope. It gives hope, It yeah. gives hope. And it also shows that... Yes, Daniel has a special relationship with God, but anyone can have a special relationship with God. Yeah. It's not just for certain people. It's for everyone. Um, everyone. So just um, we got a minute or two before our next break, but um, if I'm looking to be part of this uh, production family, what should I do as a citizen or a person or a neighbor or a listener? Do I go to your uh, well, website? Course, Is there a way for me to... Our, yeah. Definitely go on our website, lookingforgodthemovie.org, and that gives you a little background that tells you about our company. We do have a Looking for God production company, an LLC, a Limited Liability Corporation, and um, we are a business, and we're looking for support. We're looking for financial support. We're looking for backing. We're looking for publicity. Um we're looking for support. You know, the, the more that uh, people know of us and uh, the more backing that we receive, uh, we may be able to get to the right people. Ideally, if we had the monies, we would like to produce ourselves because, you know, we have the vision. This is something right. that, that we've lived for for years, and, and it's, it's very much a part of us. And that's one of the fears that we have if, 
if uh, if it's turned over to the to the Hollywood uh, echelons, they can come in and just do whatever they want to do and um, take away everything that we stand for, everything that we believe in, uh, right. and, and that would you know that would really uh, break our heart if that was the case. I don't think I don't think like um, story the that way can it possibly is. happen. I keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. Wow, interesting, right? Mm-hmm, it is interesting. Um, how many people are participating, or is this something we're trying to get the word out now? Um, you know, we have angles. Uh, I have there's four of us in, in the partnership. Besides Lewis and myself, there's uh, Greg. Uh, Chris, Chris uh, Gregorio and Diane Falzone, and the four of us are reaching out to people, you know, looking for uh, financial support, looking for backing, and, um, you know, getting the word out. So, uh, again, yeah. the more people that we have, the more uh, exposure that we have, um, we might be able to get to the right people. Well, um, the, the trail is very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. And uh, so great job on that. And the story as we heard it is just, it, it's, I'm sweating here. I'm like pumped, <laughs> you know. So I think uh, the more we talk about it, right, the more we keep fanning that spark because it's a good thing, I think uh, the better we'll be, right? right. Um, we have to stop for another minute, sorry, because this is really good. I'd like to, when we come back, you know, talk to you a little bit more. Um, so please stay with us. Corporate Talk with Charlie, Eva, and our very special guest, Dr. Vincent J. Maligno. We'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on TalkZone. Okay, guys, welcome back. Um, Segment three. Uh, This is a really special edition, as we've been calling it. We're learning about... Uh, Dr. Maligno and his partner's mission of creating a movie from a, a novel that they prepared to uh, of a young man with special needs who provides the inspiration through a connection with God that inspires the whole community. Um, and it really is an uplifting story. I could just, you know, it's a tissue bring it when the movie comes out right of happiness you know i could just see leaving the theater letting everybody in front of me getting out of the park yeah go you go go ahead go go i'd be like very nice and you know oh because you'll be inspired i'll be so inspired that's what that's the point that (laughs) dr maligno's making right that the um the the bad place became a good place afterwards you know right uh really really good i you know i i love it i i think 
we need to keep talking about it because we need to start, um, you know, even said something last week about you tell two friends and then they tell two friends and so on and so on, referring back to a, a shampoo commercial from the 70s. Right. We have to do the same thing with this. It's very important. Um, you know, so I just want to be, if I can, silly for one second when you were describing um, heaven and hell and the good and the bad and Brooklyn and like, you know, I'm from Queens and I agree 100%. We have, you know, I break it down, the Yankees and the Red Sox. And you can imagine where I think each one of those belong in that um, <laughs> scale, right? <laughs> That's why you have to look to a higher power. That's why you yeah. can't make that decision. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, you know, I, you just put up an interesting issue because right now the Yankees and the Mets are both in playoffs, but separate, separate uh, situations. You know, the Yankees are fighting to get in, and the Mets are already in, but they're fighting to move on. And that's causing a lot of controversy just within the city. Um, you know, the so in 2001, or whenever that was, um, I was, of course, still in New York, and the Yankees and the Mets played in the World Series. I mean, I never want that to happen again, ever. I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, it was just gut-wrenching for me. Um, it seemed like, yeah, a war could start at any moment because the the everybody was just a little on edge, right? I could just imagine what's going on. I think on. everybody should have gone to church. <laughs> so, if, if, I may, um, if I may, since we brought up the Yankees and Mets, April 26th this year was my birthday, and I'm a Vietnam vet. I served two tours in Vietnam, and the Yankees honored me as veteran of the game. And you talk about an uplifting experience. There's 47,000 people, standing room only, watching the Mets play the Yankees in the Subway Series, and I'm being honored at home plate as the veteran of the game. That was quite an experience. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is quite an experience. Um, yeah. uh, just once in a lifetime. Uh, once in a Well, you know what? We're, um, we're very proud of you, and we thank you for your service, um, which uh, I have to ask. So um, as a person of faith, how did you manage to go through those two tours? I guess did you did you lean on that? I would imagine, right? Well, funny story. I was a Zavarian brother. I was a religious. I was a man of the cloth, and maybe um, I don't know if too patriotic is the right word, but I believed in the Vietnam War. And one of the criticisms they had of me is that a man of the cloth should not be supporting war. War is uh, hell, and war mm-hmm. is wrong. But there is such a thing as a just war, if you want to say just war. But again, my country, right or wrong, my country. And they were fighting this war, and I believed in what they were doing, because communism, you know, again, the good and the bad, the evil, the communism was taking over, and we, were, we, the good guys, were trying to stop this from happening. And I really believed in it. In fact, the reason I went back a second time is, you know, having been there the first time and getting to know the people, the Vietnamese and the Cambodians and the Laotians and the Thais, you know, I realized that they were fighting for their own survival. And we yeah. were there to help them. And without our help, they wouldn't survive. So I volunteered to go back a second time to support them. And I was actually there when Vietnam fell in 1975, and I got credited with saving 6,000 Vietnamese. 
who were brought to uh, safety. And, and on the other hand, I feel that what we did in many ways was wasted because after 15 years of, uh, of Americans dying for other people, we literally walked away from them and lost everything that we were fighting for. So that's pretty sad. Yeah. And uh, you, um, know, you question what that's all about. And then, you know, we're involved in so many different conflicts now that it, after a while your head starts spinning. Um, and, uh, that's why I feel this movie, that's why I feel this movie is so important. You know, we need to have something positive in our lives. We need to have something to feel good about. And that's what this is all about. Instead of going and watching all these, uh, uh, you know, atrocities that are out there and, and the, that are in the movie theaters now. Uh, this is a movie that you can bring your family to. This is a movie that children would uh, would enjoy, families would enjoy, adults, everyone. It's a it's a it's a down to earth, uh, realistic uh, movie with uh, again with a, a religious base. But even then, when you say a religious base, you know there are many different religions out there, many different beliefs, and and everyone's entitled to that. So they, like you said before, Charlie, everybody can see something of themselves in this. And, yeah. and that's what's important, you know, to give you something to think about or, or to, to uh, give you food for thought or well, nothing else, just to enjoy as a, as a, as a, a feel-good, down-to-earth movie. Right, just as a generic feel-good movie. And, and right. take the spiritual guidance without even knowing <laughs> you're getting it, right? right? What I really like is um, making Daniel be the leader. And it just inspires others with special needs, and it inspires other families of special needs. I mean, I just think it's so true, right? I mean, we're all capable of leading, mm-hmm. right? And that's our theme anyway, right? That's what we share, and I, I just, uh, I just think it's uh, phenomenal. Like I said, these things shake me up, like. Uh, every time I watch The Magnificent Seven, Dr. Maligno, I get choked up because it's just so uplifting for me, you know. Things like this really get me going. Um, so uh, um, uh, we, have to, we have to be all in on this. But I have to go back for a second to this Brooklyn thing. So how does a, a young person now, okay, so Vietnam, so let's say a young person in the late 50s, early 60s growing up in Brooklyn where does where do you find the faith from? How does that get in there? You mean Dr. Well, Maligno personally? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, how yeah. did you first initiate your relationship with um, God? Well, the, I'm, a, I'm I'm from an Italian family, a mm-hmm. Catholic Italian family. In fact, uh, it's funny when I was in Italy, I told people that I was Italian American. They said, "Where you're from?" And I said, "Sicily." And they said. You're not Italian, you're African. That's a word. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, right, we but, hear that too. Yes. You know, funny. and it's funny, you know, we Italians, as, as you are, Charlie, you know, we Italians are close-knit family. Um, on my mother's side, I was the oldest, I am the oldest grandchild, and we used to get together every Sunday as family, and that was close-knit. And, of course, Sunday is when you go to church. And my grandmother was very religious, very religious. In fact, she was so proud of me that I, when I became her brother, um, you know, I was a that was a feather in her cap in a way. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like the old uh, Irish families; everybody had somebody had to become a priest, somebody had to become a nun. 
<laughs> and then, um, and then on my my father's side, I was one of the youngest grandchildren because my dad was one of the youngest of twelve. Wow. So uh, you know, it was quite a contrast. But even there, we had family, and family was always around. In fact, we all lived on the same block. And again, Sunday was the time to go to church. So we were Catholic, not just by name only, but we were practicing Catholics. And our church was only three blocks away from our house, so it was very convenient to get up, get dressed, feel good, you know, just even getting dressed. And you talk about your Sunday finest and your Sunday best. And to walk to church, and everybody knew everybody, and the whole neighborhood. Wow, so just normal day-to-day stuff was enjoyable, and it led to... Right, because it was incorporated into your day-to-day yeah. just living. Yeah, interesting. Sure, sure. And then it's kind of ironic. I actually went to public school for whatever reasons, even though the Catholic school is a couple blocks away from my house, public school is a little further. Um, I went to public school, and when my mom wanted me to switch back or switch over to Catholic school, I said, you know, I like where I am. Let me stay here. So I was public school, but because, again, of being Catholic and following my, my religious practices in order to get communion, and to get confirmation, I had to go to Catholic school for training. Mm. So we had the city allowed what they call a release time, religious release time. Every Wednesday, I was allowed to walk over to the Catholic church, to the Catholic school, and receive instruction. And every Sunday, we attended the 9 o'clock mass, and after mass, we were walked over to the school, and we had Sunday school instruction. So that also was incorporated within your community, and that was almost a forced issue. You want to make communion? You got to follow the rules. You want to make your confirmation? You got to follow the rules. So we were very close knit, and the church was—I don't want to say controlled, but there was a system there, and it was followed. And uh, we followed it because of family. We followed because of our religious beliefs. We followed because of our community. Now, Um, all of a sudden, in eighth grade, and then when I went to school, I went from first grade to sixth grade in, in the public school. Then I went to junior high school from. 7th, 8th, and ninth. Well, in the 8th grade, my mother had, had me take the test for high school, for Catholic high school, and I actually applied for cathedral seminary, thinking, you know, I might want to become a priest. That was in my mind. And uh, the school that I really wanted to go to was called Xavier Mil- Military Academy, or Xavier High School, which still exists. And because I was a public school student, they refused me. They said I didn't have the background they were looking for. And another school, Zavarian, in Brooklyn, brand new school, uh, accepted me. So I wound up going to Catholic school all of a sudden in high school, and that's when I was exposed to the Zavarian brothers. Zavarian high school was run by the Zavarian brothers. And I never saw this before. You know, in, in my church, there were nuns, there were sisters, and yeah. the females. And uh, we didn't have male or religious other than the priests. So now I saw another group, uh, group of men that were dedicated to God, and I was very taken by them. And when I graduated high school in 1963, I joined that group and became Brother Victor. And I actually went through postulancy, novitiate. I took my vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and I went into the scholasticate, the, the study. And, and again, there was a conflict of interest because I was pro-Vietnam, and they felt that was the conflict for a man of the cloth. So uh, literally... When I was in the monastery, I say monastery, when I was in the Brothers, I was only allowed to see my family once a year, and I was not allowed contact with the outside world, per se. 
So literally, when I left the order, I joined the Marines because to me, the Marines were the best, and the Marines uh, are fighting men. And the worst that would happen is I go to Vietnam because I believed in it, and if I died, my family hadn't seen me in four or five years anyway. So Jesus. what's the loss? And um, ironically, you talk about you talk about God interceding. I failed the physical. I failed the Marine physical. And my right, father, you, God bless him. Uh, there was a different father, plan for you, and that's um, that we're kind of realizing here. Um, you are one very complicated person, based on what you just <laughs> described. <laughs> we wanna we wanna talk about it some more, but we got to take our last break. So please um, stay with us. Uh, this is Corporate Talk with Charlie, Eva, and Vincent, Dr. Vincent J. Maligno. We'll be right back. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. We are in our final segment, segment four, and our guest today is Dr. Vincent J. Maligno, and he is a co-author of the book John of Divinity, and he is also the co-producer of the movie Looking for God. And so... Dr. Maligno, we were talking about your background during the break, and we were both saying that, well, that's a story in and of itself. Your yes. story is a good one, too. That'll be the sequel to Looking for God. It'll be Looking for God, too. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Um, you know, uh, so in your... Well, because what, what we were talking about at the break was, like you were saying, it's the whole story of, yeah, you come from Brooklyn, and you've got the tough guy thing going on, you know, then trying to get into the Marines as well because you want to fight with your country, and yet you still have this size. Somehow, very, yeah, the heart know. was opened. Right. Um, and which I think is unbelievable. Yeah, right? it really is unbelievable. Um, so, um, no, I, it's, it really is. We're, we're, this was really cool. So just briefly, when you were in the two tours in Vietnam, so how many years were you connected to the military? Um, if I can, let me, let me back up a second, but my father said to me, God bless my father, he's no longer with us, but my dad said to me, he said, listen, if you want to fight for your country, don't do what I do, don't be a grunt like I was in World War II, go to college, get a degree, and become an officer and do it the right way. So I actually wound up going to Manhattan College in the Bronx, and I'll figure this, I commuted every day from Brooklyn to the Bronx, two and a half hours in, two and a half hours back, oh. whatever. And I joined, I happened to look out and join the Air Force ROTC program, Reserve Officers Training Program. So while I'm going to college, I was also becoming a military officer. And to add insult to injury, I got married while I was in college. We had our first child while I was in college. So I was very involved with a lot of things. And the day I graduated college, I became a second lieutenant in the Air Force. 
And when I joined the Air Force, they felt sorry for me in a way because not only was I married to one child, but my wife was pregnant with our second child. So they offered me what they call a controlled tour. In other words, they would send me somewhere where I could live for three years and establish, you know, a little family semblance. I turned that down. And even though my wife wasn't happy about it, I volunteered for Vietnam. That was where I, that was where my head was at. I didn't join the service to hang out and to, to stabilize. I wanted Vietnam. And so I volunteered to go there. And I actually flew 92 combat missions. Uh, I flew reconnaissance. And so every time I took off, I never knew if I'd come back down again. And what I would do is I would go to mass every morning before I took off type thing, or I'd maintain a close proximity to the, to the, uh, to the church and to the, uh, chaplains. Um, so I flew 92 combat missions on my first tour. Now we come back, I come back. In fact, my son was born while I was in Vietnam and I almost never got to see him because he took ill while I was there and I wound up coming home on emergency leave. But while we were in the States yeah, on my next tour and my third child was born in Omaha, Nebraska while I was stationed there, um, I was at the headquarters and they controlled the island of Guam, and Guam was a, a big transshipping point to Vietnam. So I volunteered to go to Guam. The only difference this time is I was allowed to take my family because Guam is a stable, stable area. But from Guam, we flew every day into Vietnam, or we were inter interacting with Vietnam while the, while the war was continuing. So that became my second tour. And, of course, when Vietnam fell, we brought back people to Guam for stabilization before they were brought to the States. I don't think you, uh, you even knew that was your, your plans were already set. They had to have been, right? <laughs> well, and if you think about it, that's all before he was 30. Right, and, and then at the end, you know, helping Vietnamese get out or become safe as well. I mean, it, it, the purpose was there was you had a plan already set for you, I guess is what I'm seeing here, right? I would agree with that. Um, yeah, it's well, just it, it really is something. And then um, we wound up uh, and after my tour on Guam, we wound up going to uh, Germany to Europe. So after spending four years in Asia, I wound up going to Europe. What happened in the interim while I was in Vietnam, I realized we had a drug problem in the military and I became involved with uh, helping people with drug and alcohol problems. And once the war kind of phased out, that side of the world didn't need my services as much. And I wound up going to Europe, where if you think about it, Europe's the land of beer and wine and all that good stuff. So I, I, my wife and I spent five years helping people. I did the outpatient care, and my wife was involved with the inpatient rehab care. So the, for five years, we helped our military uh, men and women and family members to overcome social problems and alcohol problems and drug problems. And uh, our daughter was born in Germany. So as I tell people, the Carbine Deutsches Kinder. So in answer to your previous question, Charlie, I spent 24 years total in the military, active in reserve. I wound up retiring as a major. So I tell people that I'm a major nuisance. And uh, <laughs> um, so it's, it's just unbelievable that, you know, so, okay, so we spent... A little bit of time here learning not only about this incredible movie that's being made that we all can be a part of, right. which we'll get to in a second, but we also learned a little bit about what's behind Dr. Maligno, and you can see 
it's just phenomenal, right? Well, he walks the talk, right? I he mean, walks the talk. You are actually speaking, you know, with God when you help all these people. So maybe you weren't in the brotherhood anymore, but yet you were still doing the work of God. Well, you know, this is like when we interview someone normally that about, let's say, um, a corporate thing. And they go into their background to establish themselves as a subject matter expert on what they're doing. Oh, yeah, that's good, yeah. And this is exactly that. I mean, you are truly a subject matter expert on helping others look for God, find faith, find hope, do the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, really, really uh, something. So just uh, while we still have, what do we have, four minutes? No, three, three minutes. 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 org. We want to pay Dr. Maligno back for all of the good that has been accomplished before the movie, just in life in general. We want to say, show we have your back. So uh, we have your back, Dr. Maligno, and we'll do what we can to help share this vision and promote this movie um, along with you. And, you know, after learning all this we probably want to stay a little closer to you, (laughs) 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 you know, which I think would be really cool. So, so why don't you, um, since we just have a few minutes left, why don't you go ahead and talk about the website a little bit more and what people can expect when they go there and how they can help to make this happen. Thank you, Eva. Thank you. Looking for God, the movie.org. It shows you, well, there's, there's several options, but it shows you a brief film. Um, it has the beach scene where his father is drowned. It has right. Daniel in church uh, relating to God. It has our theme music, Looking for God, very uplifting, uh, a beautiful beat uh, to the music, and uh, very uplifting. And Ebon Brown of the stylist does a great job, and even the community, the, the congregation, just everybody, it's just kind of foot stomping and hand clapping. And if you don't get roused, you know, if you don't get excited just by the music itself. Yeah. Then also, the website tells you about us. It has our biographies, the four, the, the four uh, uh, partners. And then we have other people involved with the music, uh, uh, Fred Kosher and uh, Greg Dunn. And then um, it also tells you how you can make contact with us, how uh, you can become part of our program. If you want to be a sponsor, if you want to contribute, if you want to uh, uh, invest in in our program, and uh, we do have a business plan, and um, you know we are uh, an LLC, and uh, we are a business, and uh, we're looking to make this movie. And um, even if you just get a feel for what's going on and word of mouth, and you, you know you never know who knows who, and uh, that's how you make your contacts. Very um, unique, but very qualified. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, I can guarantee this movie will happen <laughs> based on this conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. And I uh, recommend we all join in right now. Yeah. Um, well, just like, the, uh, like we were talking. Yeah, no, thank you. This has been great. Like I said, we want to stay close to you and check in from time to time and monitor the progress. So we will do that. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you so much, Dr. Maligno. It was great having you on the show today. And and for our listeners, please check out lookingforgodthemovie.org. Yeah, excellent. So have a great rest of the day. Good luck. And like I said, we will uh, stay close.
Thank you both. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Eva. Okay. Take care. Take care. So, yeah, I am uplifted. Uh, this is a great cause for us to help with. He had, Vint, uh, Dr. Maligno had an unbelievable life to this point, and he's just getting started. Right. So, no, it was terrific. And again, everyone that's looking for God, the movie.org, and you can check out more about the movie, the trailer, and how you can contribute. Ooh, it was another great show. So, thank you so much, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we will see you next week. Bye, guys.